guilt is maladaptive when it's about trying to be something that I am not in order to control someone else's thoughts. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives and always on our own terms. But before we get started, I want to tell you guys about Instacart. I mean, with the likelihood of staying at home a bit longer than we all want, and with the looks of how things are unfolding, getting your groceries should be something you don't have to worry about. I mean, I certainly don't want to. And with Instacart, my listeners in the US and Canada can get everything you want, hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences from your local stores and delivered to your doorstep in as little as an hour. So you have more time for, you know, those things you actually want to do, like content creation maybe, or Zoom parties. But seriously, with Instacart, you get unlimited groceries delivered to you for one low monthly fee, which is way better than those other guys that may be adding on fees every time you use their app. So to get started with your 14-day free trial, just follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know I sent you and to support the show. On that note, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notified of the latest episode and drop me a review. Let me know what you honestly think. It really means a lot to me and helps me curate the most valuable content and conversations with incredible experts for you. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. This week's episode is a perfect follow-up to last week's, which was all about how to create healthy boundaries. And today we're talking about how to say no without feeling guilty. Because let's face it, it's so much easier said than done, right? And thankfully, we're joined today by a clinical therapist, researcher, and a master coach, and the founder of The Shift Society, who helps individuals break through the crap to live more fulfilling lives. She's a regular speaker at regional and national conferences on mental wellness and mindset. She's going to help us today figure out how we can build the strength to say no without feeling guilty. So please meet Julia Christina. Hi, Julia. Hello. I am so happy to be here and to be having this conversation. Thanks for having me. Oh, amazing. Thank you. And thank you for bringing that energy um, with you all the way from Vancouver. So let's get right into it, Julia. Saying no is so much harder than we think, as I mentioned, because I feel like a lot of it ties into this guilt that we harbor if we say no. What is the other people going to think of me, their judgment of me? But I want to get a little bit deeper if we can. Why do you think so many of us feel guilty when we say no? Where, what is that stemming from maybe? Oh, I have so much to say about this, but you know, you want to go deep. We, we're going to go deep on this, Christine, because this goes so deep. So when it comes to guilt, just a little bit of an aside with this, guilt is a healthy, adaptive emotion when it curbs harmful behavior. So it's good to feel guilty when you have done something bad or wrong or harmful, right? Like when it's you've, you know, punched them in the face, someone in the face, it's good to feel guilty about that. <laughs> yeah, let's <help. laughs> right? Because it's going to bring up a feeling of like, I don't want to do that again, because I feel badly that I did that. And so, you know, guilt, guilt, without guilt, there is no empathy, 
right? Mm. And without empathy, there is sociopathology. And so, right, then we have no ability to connect with another human being. So guilt is adaptive when it's used to curb harmful behavior. But a lot of us are using guilt not to curb harmful behavior, but to ultimately because we are trying to control other people's thoughts. Because Mm. we think if someone disapproves of us or they don't agree with or like our choices, that somehow I have done something wrong. But that is a different thing. Someone disagreeing with something and not liking something is not connected to, you know, in most situations, whether or not I have done something wrong. But it's my thoughts, right? That someone else's thoughts about what I have done is going to determine whether or not I am a good or bad person or whether or not what I've done is good or bad. Does that make sense? I know that that was a, maybe a little bit confusing to look at, but to no, really no, no. Draw, yeah, to just draw that out is that guilt is maladaptive when it's about trying to be something that I am not in order to control someone else's thoughts. Now that was so powerful, so good. I don't think I've ever heard anyone put it that way in terms of guilt. So thank you for just setting it clear that, you know, it's not bad. It's not maladaptive until you're trying to be something else in controlling of somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's feeling somebody else's whatever, because at the end of the day, you only have control over yourself, right? Wow, that was so powerful. And like I said, I I think understanding that difference hopefully help us then realize that it's maybe not as hard or why it's good to say no when we need to. Yeah, I'm just even taking that to a practical example. This is an example that comes up a lot <laughs> with both my clients and the, you know, my students, uh, the members of my, my membership community in the Shift Society to talk a lot about um, guilt from specifically mothers, not to give mothers a bad rap here, mm-hmm. but that's often the mother-daughter relationship can be really Ugh. complicated, right? And so just like a really typical, very kind of everyday example is when if you don't live in the same town as your mom, you don't see your mom all the time, and you call your mom and she lays, quote unquote, a guilt trip saying, you don't call me yes. very often. How about you? How, how come you don't call me? Or maybe she's a little bit passive aggressive about it. And it's like, oh, well, it's nice to hear from you. I, wonder, I was wondering if you were still alive. <laughs> Jeez, Julia, is this a very common thing? Because I literally just talked about this and mentioned it to Christina on the previous episode. Like, what is it between mothers and daughters and mothers? It's, it's complicated. <laughs> it, actually, in my membership community, in the Shift Society, we're going to be having a whole masterclass <gasps> on the mother wound and really looking at mm. these wounds that we have from, you know, being raised by women who had their own wounds. Right. And so, you know, like that, that pain begets pain and hurt people hurt people. And so just really kind of understanding that. But anyways, yeah, going back to this, this idea of like this guilt. And so my mom has said, right, my mom has said, why don't you call me more often? And we have automatically made that mean that I have done something wrong, because I didn't do what she wanted. But those are two completely different experiences. My mother 
can have her own preferences about what she wants me to do and her own thoughts about what she wants me to do without it meaning that I have done something wrong if I don't do that or without it even meaning that I am required to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so guilt is about thinking that I've done something wrong and then I need to do something different to change that person's experience so that I don't have to feel like a bad person. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so I'm trying to control someone else's thoughts so that I can feel good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely and, makes sense. Instead of being able to say, I can understand and appreciate that this is this person's preference and this is my preference. Mm-hmm. And so then it's my responsibility to decide what am I okay with? Right? What am I okay with? What, how often do I want to call? And what makes sense for me while also taking into account what this person wants, but not doing it just to try to make them happy, because then we live with resentment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so often, we do things that we don't want to do. And this is going to be a tough pill to swallow, but I'm going to say it, we do things we don't want to do, because we'd rather feel guilt than resentment. Sorry, no, that's not true. I'm going to say that again. We do things that we don't want to do because we'd rather feel resentment than guilt. Really? We'd rather feel... Why? What? Why because is that if, I, if I do something that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. right? If someone asks something of me mm-hmm. and I... Um, now I don't want to say unwillingly, but I do it even though I don't want to do it, then I can blame them. Right. Mm. And I can say this person's so demanding. This person has such high expectation. This person made me do it. They're so unreasonable. You know, like, oh, they're so difficult. Right. And so we can blame them. And I'd rather blame them mm-hmm. than take responsibility for my own choices and thereby make, you know, maybe not have them have the thoughts or feelings that I think they should have. And then I'm going to feel guilty. Right. So if I, if I do something, that I don't want to do, then I can be resentful because they made me do it. But if I say no, and I set my boundary, then, and if they don't like it, then I think, so this is again a thought, I think that I'm going to have to feel guilty. Because my thought is if someone doesn't like it, right, because of that emotional fusion, Mm -hmm. I thought it was so much of us have emotional fusion, our emotional state is fused to someone else's, Right. And so if I think that if they don't like what I did, then it means that I've done something wrong, then I'm going to have to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. But the truth is setting a boundary, right? There is an option here where I don't have to feel resentment or guilt, (laughs) right? I can make my own conscious choices for myself and I can decide what I want to think about that, Mm -hmm. right? I can decide that my time and my energy And my choices are up to me. And no one else is responsible for that. And no one else is able to take from that unless I allow them because I don't want to feel guilty because I think I'm going to feel guilty if I I do something that they don't like or I don't do something that they want me to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it totally makes sense. And I I want to ask a follow-up question then. Do you think also because maybe some of us, we... Are nervous to take that ownership of our feelings, of our responsibility to ourselves, and you know yes. is that play yeah, into because we've we've fused our identity to other people's opinions. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So it's scary to be like, allow myself like, so this is where our relationship with ourself is so incredibly important, right? Because if I am solid in who I am, then I don't need to seek that from everyone else around me. Yeah. Right. So it means that I don't have to please perfect or perform to get my sense of self, which, you know, is a losing battle anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, when I cultivate that within myself, I don't have to do that to get it because I already have it. So then I can show up authentically. And the beautiful thing is, and this is a little bit counterintuitive, that the better we are with our boundaries, the more generous we are, the more kind we are, the more compassionate we are, because it's authentic. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of, you know, because I have to, it's because I choose to, I want to, I get to. Yeah, I would love for you to expand on that a bit more because I thought that was another really uh, poignant point that you made in your video. And you said, quote, generosity is not real generosity without boundaries. No, Um, it's not. It's not. It comes with strings attached, right? Mm. It comes with an expectation. It comes with an idea that if I'm I'm doing this for you because you're making me do it, because you're expecting me to do it, because I have to do it, and that it's not coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of avoidance of an uncomfortable emotion, which is guilt. Yes. Right? And so generous, true generosity, right? Like when we are giving something, expecting something in return, that's not generosity. That's a transaction. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And so if I am just genuinely saying like, you know, if someone asks something of me and if I take a step back and this is what I learned as well. So there's, when it comes to boundaries, I'm just going to go through this a bit of a process. So yeah. when we first started be- becoming aware of boundaries, right? We start we first start really seeing where we have been violating our own boundaries and we've been letting other people violate our boundaries, right? Like we have been doing that because we didn't know that there was another option or we didn't want to deal. We thought that the other option would feel worse, right? We thought that guilt would feel worse than resentment. And so we chose resentment over guilt. And so understanding that when our eyes start to get open to the fact that like I have my own personal autonomy, I'm allowed to make choices for what I want, think, need, or feel, and I'm allowed to assert those, and I'm allowed to express those, and I'm allowed to live those. It's like we go a little bit boundary happy where we're like, you get a boundary, you get a boundary, everybody gets a boundary. (laughs) (laughs) right we're like boundaries everywhere I'm never gonna let anyone push me around again and we get all like you know just sort of boundary happy and that's normal right we swing the pendulum really far the other side because we're we we wake up right like we wake up to what's been going on and what we've been allowing and we're like no more that's it but then sort of once we sort of flex our boundary muscles and actually see that we can and we allow ourselves to do that then we settle down a little bit And we're like, okay, now that I've fully integrated my personal autonomy, now I fully understand that my choices are up to me and I don't have to do things out of this, you know, guilt or false sense of obligation. Like there are things that we are obligated to do, especially if we have children, like we're obligated to protect them, to keep them alive, to keep them safe, right? That's an obligation, but there's a lot of false obligations, Mm. things that we do because we don't want to feel guilty or we don't want to feel bad or whatever that is, right? Like that's a false obligation. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, then we start to realize that we can make our own choices. And we start to like, fully believe that and integrate that then we settle down and we're like, okay, 
now I don't need to be so boundary happy, right? I don't need to protect myself with my boundaries because they're in there and I know that I can use them whenever I want to or need to, right? And so that's my choice. So then now it's actually funny because having healthy boundaries makes us more flexible, which is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of an, you know, a, a dichotomy. like a contradiction. Yeah. yeah. But, mm-hmm. but they make me more flexible because I know I can make my own choices and I can say no if I want to, right? Because I'm not having this internal conflict. Like, should I say no? I'm allowed to say no. You know, how dare this person ask me? This is so difficult. What a hard position I'm in. We're just like, no, I give myself full freedom to say no when and if and how I want to. So now, because I know I can have that option, I can choose to say yes, and I can do that out of love and generosity. And that feels good because I want to do that. And who like we want as human beings, we want to feel love, we want to feel connection, we want to feel generous, we don't want to have to feel those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as soon as we clear the way of the boundary resistance, then we, we set ourselves free to be more, to, to be able to give more. And it doesn't feel like hard giving. It feels like natural, easy giving. Cause I know that at any point, if I am getting close to my limit, or if I, you know, feel like it's too much, or if it's not, oh, if this isn't going to work for me right now, or doing so is going to cause, you know, some kind of um, detriment to me later on, then I can just set my boundary and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we can roam free because we know if you imagine like a playground, right? If you imagine children playing in a p- playground and the playground, the kind of field around the playground is um, backs onto busy streets, right? Then you're going to want to like kind of watch really carefully, make sure the children stay really close to the play structure right in the middle of that field and don't go near the edges because we don't want them to accidentally, you know, tread onto the busy road and get, get hit. But as soon as we put up, all we need to do is put a a fence up around that perimeter and then we know where the limit is. So we have so much more space to run free. Mm, You're right. And that's what Healthy Boundaries does. Yeah. No, I like the way you put it in how it actually makes us more flexible. That's such an interesting perspective and it makes so much more sense. Could you also say that, you know, you obviously can disagree, but you know, that especially when it is actually real generosity, um, uh, when you put up your boundaries that you put yourself first and it's a, a, a bit of a self-love. And I don't mean that in a selfish way, Julia, totally. but, but it's like, this uh, phrase about pouring from a full cup, right? Like if you're not full within yourself, you're not authentic, like how can we give more or give to others authentically? Yeah, we can't. You know, we can't do that. And like even I love that you you pointed that out, Chris, I love that um, you said that because this whole idea of self-love, we all have this idea that self-love is selfish, right? But the truth is self loving yourself is the least selfish thing that you can do. Mm. Because when we don't love ourselves, when we feel terrible about ourselves or doubt ourselves or question ourselves, when we're just sort of, you know, insecure in our self-worth, who are we always focused on? Mm-hmm. Ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what's that person thinking about me? What does that mean? What should I do? What's going to be, you know, what are they going to think? What's going to happen? You know, what, what did they mean by that? Like we, we just get so focused on ourselves. We take everything personally. We get offended. We get hurt more easily. We're always just sort of focusing on our own, um, our own emotions and our own experience because it's a really hard experience, 
when we are when we are reacting so heavily to everything that's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Right? But as soon as we love ourselves and we accept ourselves, we don't focus on ourselves. We're like, I'm good. Right? Like I can, I can, I can work with things, I can process through things, I can show up and I don't, I'm always wondering about what people are thinking or what's going to happen or what's this going to mean? Or, you know, like I'm not always obsessing about that stuff. Cause I'm just like, yeah, I know that no matter what happens, I'll, I'll catch instead of kick myself when I fall. Mm, yeah. I, I know I'll be, be there for myself. So I don't have to worry so worry. much. I yeah. don't have to think about myself so much. I don't have to think about what's going to happen and how this is going to impact me and what other people are going to think. Like, I just don't have to do that because it's like who I, I feel solid, right? Yeah. So if we think about it like that, like loving ourselves and building a strong relationship with ourselves, you think about it even in like a partnership. When you have a strong, solid relationship with your partner, you're not always wondering about them. Like, where are they? Why are they, you know, why are they coming home late? Why did they look at that person like that? Like, what does this mean? Right? Mm-hmm. When we have a solid relationship with another human being, we just sort of trust them. We're like, yeah, you know, I don't have to wonder and worry about you and what you're doing and who you're spending time with because I just, we have a solid, secure relationship. You're right. You're absolutely right there. Oh, my God. And so actually, you know, now we know that what holds us back, why it's so hard to say no, without yes. feeling guilty and being worried about everyone else. Let's get to the why, Julia, because yeah. we want to make it really helpful and tactical for our listeners. What are some ways we can say no without feeling guilty, without feeling and worrying about what everyone else thinks? Yeah. And so that's where we have to separate. Someone not liking my decision is separate from my value and worth as a human being. Because the reason we don't say no, again, is because we want other people to think of us in a certain way so that we can feel okay. Mm, Amen. Right. And so if I can separate that, right, and honor myself and my own wants, needs, or preferences and value that then I can speak to that, right? The reason we don't set boundaries and we don't say no and we feel guilty is because we value someone else's thoughts and their experience more than our own. And we're taking responsibility, right? Like we're taking responsibility for someone else's experience where their experience is their responsibility. Just like my experience is my responsibility. Other people are not there to, to, like it's not other people's jobs to meet our needs for us. Exactly. It's, in close relationship, there is some interdependence where we rely on each other, where we're there for each other, but it's not this sort of codependent, um, emotionally fused way of like, I need you to be a certain way so that I can be okay. Mm-hmm. If I just work on me being okay, then I don't have to try to control you, right? I don't have to try to control your thoughts or your experience. And I can show up out of genuine connection, desire for connection versus desire to control. Does that make sense? I know that's a harsh word saying like we're trying to control other people's thoughts, but ultimately we are. No. no, I absolutely know what you mean there. And it's not about being harsh. I think it's about being real here. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're And in, in order, unless we see it that way, Julia, I don't think it's going to be helpful. You know, let's not sugarcoat it. So um, we're all adults here. It's just hard. And sometimes in order for us to make that 
biggest growth on and transformation is to see things in the way, exactly the way it is. So I love the way you put it and it makes sense. Yeah. And you can, right. Like you can honor someone else's experience and be like, thanks so much for asking. I can understand why this is important to you. Unfortunately, I'm not able to do that. Right. And that's mm -hmm. a huge part of it as well. I remember this time, this was a few years ago um, when my sister was visiting and I had two small children at the time. Now I have three, but at that time I had two small children and my sister was visiting and I wanted to go out to the suburbs where she was staying with my parents. But my, we have a, we're a one car family. My husband is at work with the car. So I would have had to drive, sit on the bus for about an hour and a half to go and see them. And we just had a really hard morning with my kids. I had a really hard morning and the thought of going and sitting on public transit for an hour and a half felt like death to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I, but I was also like, I want to see my sister and I don't want her to think that I don't love her. I don't value her, that I'm not willing to make this sacrifice for her. But at this time right now, I just had to say, you know what, like, I have to honor this in me. And I have to say that my, um, my, my need for my own sanity right now is going to have to, um, take it's precedent. Gonna have, yeah, it's gonna have to take precedent over that. And so then I called her and it wasn't just like, sorry, I can't come. I'm not responsible for your feelings. So like all the best, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't say that. I said, you know what? I, I explained to her and I said, I was really looking forward to seeing you. Um, and I wanted us to have this time together. And I don't want you to think that I'm doing this because I don't care about you. Um, I just don't have the capacity for it right now. And I hope you understand. Hmm. And she was like, yeah, absolutely right? Mm. Absolutely. Can I ask you something there? Because you use the phrase, I explained to her, but then your explanation was very brief. It was very kind. It was to the point. Yeah. So can we say no without giving this like long, lengthy explanation? Because I find myself, at least definitely in my younger years, where I wasn't so confident and self-assured of yeah. saying no because I have this mindset again of guilt and judgment, etc. And then I just got like, you know, word vomit sometimes, like in this long explanation and then thinking to myself, was that necessary? Did that make me look yeah. worse? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that can also be it too, right? Like it's a little bit overcompensating when I'm, again, trying too much to control the other person's experience in order to manage my own. And that's where over-explaining comes from. Like, oh my gosh, like we like go over, like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that I did that if I had known. And oh my goodness, like, you know, can you please, like, I just like, this is what happened and this is what happened and this is what I write. And we just go over it. And the other person is usually like, okay, just chill. Like, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But then we're like, oh, and we beat ourselves up so much about it. And we're like this, oh, I can't believe. And I just really want to make sure that that person's okay. But like also just sort of trusting that if I am, you know, clear, concise and nice, that that person is probably going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Or if they're not exactly in that moment, they probably will be okay. Because I think, you know, if we can, you know, like most people can understand that things come up for people. And I've had, I've had friends, you know, bail at me on me, or no, I shouldn't say that. I've had friends cancel things at the last minute. And I've had, you know, I've felt like disappointed or upset. And so I've talked to them about like, say, Hey, I was really looking forward to this. You know, um, you know, I was really, you know, I was, you know, really looking forward to it. I understand, but I just want you to know, is you do, you do matter. And I was looking forward to it, right? This wasn't about laying a guilt trip. This was just about saying, you know, I do understand. And I was looking forward to it so that you know that 
you know, I, I value this. Uh, I value our friendship. And you can tell the difference between someone that's just sort of explaining something as a way to connect versus explaining something as a way to lay a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then often like what's happened before is I've had that friend come back and just explain a little bit more, right? Like I had this happen. One of my good girlfriends, it was my daughter's birthday and her daughter, my daughter, um, have been friends for a really, really long time. And so, you know, they're planning to come to the birthday. And then that morning she just said, Hey, we're not going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed, you know, and I said, you know, I said, you know, I, you know, I understand things come up. Um, but I just want you to know, like, we were really looking forward to having you there. Um, and I really value our friendship. And so then she replied and she's, you know, she was honest. She said, um, there's some things going on in my marriage right now. And, you know, my husband has been um, feeling like I'm making too many plans and not spending enough time with him. So I just need to make that a priority right now. I hope you understand. And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. I did not understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It was like, yes, of course I understand. Mm-hmm. Right? Do, you think, do you think, Julia, that sometimes it's more in our heads about how people are going to react versus, I mean, I guess, yes, because we kind of touched on this, but like at the end of the day, and especially when you uh, shared your personal story about your, with your sister, that she had such a understanding, you know, response. And so do you think we just get caught up in our, our own heads (laughs) that it's so much more? I think we do. And I think like being able to explain something in that clear, concise and nice way. Mm hmm. Right. And so it's honoring the relationship in that way. It's saying, I'm not saying no, because I don't like you. I don't care about you. I just need to take care of this part of me right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think relationships can tolerate a lot if we come with that compassion. And, you know, if we just sort of let someone know where we're at and we're allowed to do that. Right. Like, and that's the other part of we have to allow that where I'm at right now and what I need right now is also important. And, you know, the truth is some people aren't going to be okay with it. There are some people that would be like, no, I expect you to drop everything for me and do what I want, no matter what I, and, and, you know, if you're not making me the more important than everyone and everything else, including yourself, then you're just a selfish, careless, you know, uncaring person. Mm -hmm. And there will be people, right. Um, There will be people who, are struggling so much with their own self-worth that they believe that if you're not willing to do everything that they want, that they are not lovable, right? It's coming from their own shame. And so they're going to project that onto you. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. So besides the delivery in being clear, concise, and nice, how about language like I and one specifically the word sorry I don't know how you feel about this but I I'm Canadian it's like every other word I say no I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) like I think it's so overused and it's so commonly used as a preface to I'm sorry but and and I'm a little iffy on that word because I'm going to tell you two reasons why I think one as I said it's overused. So it really dilutes yeah. the meaning of it. And number two, it's superfluous. Like really, like, is it necessary for us to preface before we say no? No, I think we can, uh, you know, um, I think a better way to do it is just to acknowledge the other person, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for reaching out. Um, you know, unfortunately I'm not able to, or, you know, my plate is full or I'm not able to commit to that. Right. Like I think just Um, like that can be a a way of, I'm sorry is usually for ourselves. So we don't feel guilty. Whereas an acknowledgement of the other person, just it honors them. Ah, you're right. You nailed it. Yes, yes, yes. So we don't feel bad about it. We have to say sorry for it. Ah, you're right. So, but by saying like, thanks for the offer where I'm honoring them, but then I'm also honoring me Mm -hmm. by saying no. So it's a double honor. <laughs> double honor. That's nice. Right? Yeah. It's a relationship focused way of being able to just say like, I appreciate you reaching out, you know, thanks for thinking of me. Um, yeah. yeah. And then we don't always have to do that either. Um, you know, I've had uh, family members say like, you know, um, I want to, so I'm just thinking of an example, like someone's like, not going to name any names, but like someone's like, okay, I want to plan this party for this person. You know, I want to, this, this person, our family's having a birthday coming up and I want to plan this big party for them, you know, and being able to say, okay, you know, this is what I'm willing to do. Here's how I'm willing to contribute. Here's how I'm willing to be involved or saying, okay, what are your expectations for my role in this? And then we can hear their expectations say, okay, I'm not able to do that but I am able to do this. Ooh, right. I like like that. and that's another way of setting a boundary and saying no is giving an alternative and saying, I'm not able to commit to that, but this is what I can offer. Yeah. Or just simply asking, like you said, what is my expectation in this role? Yeah. And then it's even really- if someone has an expectation, we are still allowed to say, okay, I'm not, I'm not willing to fulfill that in that expectation. Yeah. Or I said, right? like- and just being clear about it. This is what I'm willing to do. And so you can decide whether or not you want to take on more or decrease your expectation of how it's going to go based on what I'm offering, which is so, but with so often, right, we get pulled into other people's plans and then we get resentful that they're making us do all of these things that we didn't even want to do in the first place. Yeah. This happens, I think, a lot in families instead of just being clear, right? Just be clear. Sometimes with communication, more is more, not less is more, but like more is more when it comes to just authenticity and honesty. Mm-hmm. Instead of, I think a lot of us were like, well, I'll just hope it works out. Like, I just won't say anything and I'll just hope it works out. No, it doesn't ever work out. <laughs> People are not in our brains knowing what we're thinking. Like we have an idea of how we want to be involved in something and we're just hoping someone else can read our minds and not push us too far. And then we blame them for exactly. pushing us too far past a limit that we didn't even express. Yeah. And then making a mo- mountain out of a mole and it just gets worse. And it's like, oh, oh. yeah, no, it gets, oh my God. I And I really, really loved how you pointed out how it's about acknowledging the other person first. And that was a really good perspective as well, too. So lastly, how about, Julia, if we aren't really sure if we want to say or not, say no or not. Okay. So we kind of talked about how it's hard to say no if we are because we're afraid of feeling guilty, right? So that's when we already know, but we just are having a hard time. What if we're not sure? You're really torn and vacillating on your decision to say yes or no. Is there a way to help oneself determine like how we want to respond? Is that uh, a weird and then, No, it's a really good question. So it's a really interesting thing that confusion, well, okay, we can go about this from two ways. So confusion and indecision are both lies. Right. Oftentimes when we don't know what decision to make and we're like, I'm confused, it's because we're afraid 
of getting an outcome that we don't want. Right? When you're confused? Yeah, when we're confused. Yeah. We're like, I, yeah. I'm confused because I, I can't control the outcome. And so I don't know what to do because I don't know which decision it's going to give me, like guarantee the outcome that I want. Yeah. Right? And so, but if we agree that no matter what happens, we're going to be okay, we're going to figure it out if we don't get the outcome we want, that we are going to learn from it, we're going to grow from it, we're going to, you know, get more information and and be able to do something, make a different decision next time. So that's it. Like when we're part of it is that idea that like, I don't know if I want to say yes or no, it's because I don't know how it's going to turn out. Right? I don't know what the outcome is. And I'm afraid of things not going the way that I want them to go. And because I'm afraid of how I'm going to treat myself and what I'm going to make it mean if it doesn't. So that's one part of confusion. The other part of it, so if we're just looking at like pure ambivalence, where it's like, I don't know what decision to make, then the answer is it doesn't matter. Mm. Right? It doesn't actually matter. You just make the decision with the reasons you like best and be willing to accept whatever outcome. I think it just actually, when we're in that place of like, I don't know what to do. Should I do it or shouldn't I do it? Well, it doesn't matter if you agree that no matter what, you are going to, you know, just make the outcome mean something helpful. Or if we're, you know, if we make a decision to do something and we realize it was more than we were expecting or the commitment was more, the obligation was more, it's not what we're expecting, then also allowing ourselves like, oh, okay, I can take a step back and I can set a boundary and I can say this isn't what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And, right, or we can ask for clarity. What's an example? Tell me an example of what you mean when you you say, like, I know you're thinking of something in particular. Mm. What if you're feeling that I, okay, I'm not no longer in the corporate world, but okay, give you an example. So uh, I have an option that's been presented to be by my boss and it's to take on a major new project. And I am torn because of this reason. I think that if I don't take this opportunity, I might miss out on being able to shine and promotion opportunities or whatever that comes with if I take this on. But I don't know if I don't want to take this on because what if I don't have the time? I can't, what if I can't figure out how to fit it into my schedule? Mm, Okay. Okay. So then it just comes down to really looking at which decision do I like the reasons best? right? Like which reasons? And, and again, we, this goes another level deeper and saying, why do I have the thought that this is my only opportunity? Do I think that I got like, I, my, my skills and my abilities are not true. And I'm just sort of getting a lucky break. And if I don't take it, that's it for me. Right? Like, I'm not actually believing in what I bring to the table that if I believe in what I bring to the table and my skills and abilities, then I, then I'm going to trust that there's going to be tons of opportunities. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I can decide, do I want to take this opportunity now? Do I have the capacity? Right. Am I willing to accept um, what will come with it? You know, extra time, extra effort, extra responsibility. Am I willing to accept that? Right. And am I, do I do I think that I'm at a place in my life right now where I can, you know, responsibly take that on? And maybe the answer is, you know what, not right now. So I'm going to trust that within myself. And I'm also going to trust 
that other opportunities will come because I'm not a one trick pony. <laughs> right? Like there's, I've got, right? This isn't, but this isn't a fluke or by accident. Yeah. And, and maybe so trusting that. Yes, 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 yes. The trust was such a strong word. And then just having this mindset of abundance, right? Like just because you you say no to this does not mean that there's scarcity, that this is going to be your lost chance. Nope. If you trust yourself because you know you're good at what you do and you're confident in what you do, whether it's in the workforce or at home or in your personal life, that other opportunities will be just as fruitful or will come along. So yeah. abundance. And then, and if I decide to do it, if I'm like, you know what, you know what, I can push a little extra right now. I would really like this. I would really like this opportunity. I would really like to advance my career at this point. Yeah. And I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to fully go in accepting that it's going to require more from me right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm making a conscious choice, putting all the cards on the table and being like, this is what's involved do I want that? Yes or no? Am I ready for that? Yes or no? Can I take that on? And do I have the capacity for that? Yes or no? And just being honest with ourselves. And if the answer is no, trusting that there's more. Yeah. Conscious was such an operative word. I can go off on all of that about how I don't think many of us realize that we make so many decisions unconsciously, but I will stop there. This has been so powerful and your uh, advice and steps are just so uh, just understandable. Like I feel like, you know, it makes so much sense. And I, so many times, I don't know if you caught it, I had these aha moments like, ah, oh, yeah, because you helped me really. And I, and I hope for our listeners, and I believe so, that to look at things differently, just that new lens of perspective, mm. when you switch it, it actually isn't so bad. And so bad as in it could be easier, or it can just uh, be more powerful in the outcome of whatever you do when you say no or yes. So yeah, Chris- and just a just a little aside there, Chris, sorry, I just want to say like, when it comes to that, like when we're faced with this dilemma of like, you know, I don't want to say no, because I don't want to feel um, guilty, really asking myself, why do I think my wants, needs and preferences in this scenario don't matter? Right? And really just realizing like what I want, need, think and feel count to. It's not all about me, but it's not never about me. And because it's my responsibility to be um, managing my own wants, needs, and preferences. It's not somebody else's responsibility to do that for me. If that is my responsibility, then I need to, t- I need to be responsible for that. Right. Absolutely. And so I have to allow myself to count to, and I have to ask myself, why do I think I don't matter here? Amen. Yes, Julia. And I have to ask you this last question that I love mm-hmm. to ask all of my guests, Julia. If you can go back to your younger self to pass on one piece of wisdom to remind her to live fully in the present and always on her own terms, is there something you'd like to pass on to her? It doesn't have to be related to this no topic. Sing and dance more. Mm. Do it. Allow yourself, yeah. Allow yourself to, you know, um, hmm, this is such an interesting one. 
Allow yourself to do it because you want to do it, not because, you know, even if you're not the best at it, even if you're not perfect at it. Yeah. Thank you. That is such a beautiful way to end it. But before we say goodbye, you have to tell us where can everyone connect with you, find you if they want to be a member of Shift Society, all of that. Please tell yeah. us. Yeah. So on my website right now, it's just juliachristina.com, Christina with a K. There's a tab on there that says courses and I have some self-study, you know, on-demand courses. And then there's also a link to the Shift Society waitlist there. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Julia Counselor, two L's because I'm in Canada. Uh, and Facebook, same thing, at Julia Counselor. Um, and then on YouTube, um, you can just type in the search Julia Julia Counselor and you'll see my videos. They'll come up very obviously there. So, yeah. Yeah, and no, and I definitely am uh, going to be watching more of your videos. I found them to be so helpful and insightful. Just like this conversation, Julie, I feel like I can pick your brain on so much more. <laughs> you are so, so wise, and I am really, really grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It is, it is, this is my joy to be able to have these conversations with amazing people like you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.